Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, I'm having the best day ever. You want to know why? You want to know why? You want to know why? My parents just landed in Ghana this morning. I'm so happy to see them. I haven't seen them since August. Their plane got in early, which never happened. They were supposed to land at 8.55. So I was like, oh, I'll go to the airport for 9.30 because it should take them that long to, you know, get through immigration and get their bags. By like 9.20, I was in the cab on the way to the airport. And my friend who works at immigration was like, oh, I have your parents. We're waiting for their luggage. And I was like, oh, that's going to be at least another 20 minutes. And then he called me five minutes later and was like, okay, like, where are you? Because I'm bringing your parents out. And I was like, wait, what? Their flight got in 10 minutes early. It wasn't like hours early. I was like, was there no one else on the flight? Like their bags came out immediately. Like This never happens to me when I land in Ghana, but it did for them. But they have arrived. They are safe and sound in one piece. As I'm recording, one parent is at the spa and the other parent has gone to get their braids done. Fresh lashes and fresh nails are on the horizon. They're fine. They left me to exchange their money and then they went off into, into a cry. I was like, oh, okay. Y'all really are grown. All right. They came bearing gifts. I don't know if they know that they're gifts, but I'm treating them like gifts. My parents' rooms weren't ready. There was a snafu with the early check-in. So they just brought their stuff into my room. And my mother brought her carry-on and she had to get something out of it. And she opened it up. It's an entire carry-on of American snacks. And so a lot of stuff that she brought, technically they have versions of in Ghana. The peanut M&Ms in Ghana, they're off. Like it's not like a full crunchy peanut. It's like pieces of peanut, but it's in the yellow package. It's marketed as like the regular M&Ms and the bags are smaller because Americans overconsume and we're a fat people. So the bags of M&Ms in Ghana are probably the size of bags that we would give away for Halloween. So not only does it taste different, it's just not enough or for my American sensibilities. I had peanut M&Ms at the theater when I went to see Wakanda Forever the other day. And it's the first time I've had them in months. I just didn't have the craving. And just for whatever reason that day I did. And I was so excited. And I bit into the M&Ms and it just wasn't the same. And I was like, womp, womp. She also has soft cookies, which I haven't had in forever. I teased her when she got here and I saw what was in the bag. And I was like, are you serious? You bought like a whole bag of snacks? And she was like, well, the list said to bring snacks. So I wanted to make sure I didn't run out. And I was like, mommy, they have food here. You're not going to starve. And she's like, I didn't know if they had like my snacks. So I made fun of her. And then my mom left to go get braids. And I was sitting in the hotel room, like researching for the podcast. And I started thinking about that cookie. (laughs) It's a big ass oatmeal cookie, a soft one. I'm not even an oatmeal cookie person like that. I'm a chocolate chip or a macadamia nut. Like, oh, I'm just going to eat a piece of the cookie. And then ended up eating a whole cookie. And, and didn't go to the gym this morning. You think I give a fuck? That cookie was amazing. It was worth every calorie. I might go to the gym later. We'll see. We have an event this afternoon. I don't know if you saw the video on social media when I posted our Thanksgiving celebration. 
We had dancing men who cook. It was fabulous. But the dancing men are back. It's not Thanksgiving, but I believe in treating my life every day as a special occasion. So they're going to cook for us and dance today, too. It's a good life. I'm debating right now whether we're going to talk about Deion Sanders or not because I wrote about it on social media. I think I have more things to say, but I also realize I'm just going to piss off people. Not that I really care about that. I just have certain thoughts I would like to put into the zeitgeist. Is there anything else going on? We have good black news this week. This happened a while ago. I forgot to mention it, though. Hakeem Jeffries. He is the new Senate minority leader. He's the HNIC of the Democrats, but also the HPIC, because he's not just like the top ranking black person. He's the top ranking person who also happens to be black. He's replacing Nancy Pelosi. I thought she was going to stay in that role forever. Um, But unfortunately, we talked about that, that horrific attack on her husband. Somebody broke into Nancy Pelosi's house looking for her and she wasn't home. She was in D.C. at work. But somebody broke into the house and found the husband and hit him in the head with a hammer. So getting hit in the head with a hammer is bad at any age, I would think. But at 80 something, it's even worse. I feel so terrible for that man. That's just just such a horrific thing to happen. When it happened, obviously he went to the hospital and they ran all these tests and the doctors were taking great care of him. And they said they expected him to live and recover. And I was like, can you make a full recovery? From getting hit in the head with a hammer, I'd have more faith in it if it was somebody who was maybe in their teens or their 20s, even a kid, because their bodies are just much more resilient at that age. But I was like at 80-something? Hopefully he has great capacity. He's not diminished too much. Something happens. Like You don't just get hit in the head with a hammer, and then everything's just fine. But Nancy Pelosi had said that she was reconsidering her role as the Senate minority leader because of what happened to her husband. I imagine he needs more time and care. I imagine that she probably, though she shouldn't, probably has some guilt about not being there or having some guilt about, you know, her being in a prominent position where someone has decided to attack her and attack her family in that position. I think I would if I was her. I'm not saying she should have it. I'm saying I think she probably does. But she's decided to take some steps back, which hopefully includes spending more time with her family. I just feel awful. I mean, for him, obviously, because he was the one who was attacked, but also for her. Somebody attacked your husband of forever years because they were trying to get to you. That's just, ugh, ugh. My heart really does break for them. I hope the Pelosi's are doing okay. But I do just want to acknowledge Hakeem Jeffries in his new role. I kept reading that he was the first black man to lead the Democrats in the Senate. And I was like, was there a black woman who did this before him? I finally looked it up somewhere else and they were like, no, he's the first black person. So good for him. Good for Hakeem Jeffries. I'm really happy for him. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. What else is on my list to talk about before we talk about Deion Sanders and TJ Holmes? Nelly and Ashanti were grinding on stage. (laughs) I saw that video and I was like, what is going on? What is happening? I don't really root for Nelly and Ashanti only because Ashanti's never spilled the tea on exactly what happened with them. She has said that he didn't treat her right. And so I'm I'm never going to root for someone to go back to someone who didn't do right by them the first time around. And they were together forever. I'm going to say like eight, nine, 10 years, something like that. But I saw this video the other day and I was like, what the what? What is going on? Ashanti was dressed like a little superhero in a... Bodysuit, she had no pants on. I think she had on knee-high boots. 
It was pink. She looked fucking amazing. Ashanti's body is is sick. I think I talked about it before. I was like, it looks natural. And people were like, no, she's had good work. I don't care what it is. It looks good. That's all that I meant when I said it. It looks good. I don't care how she got it. I'm just acknowledging that it looks good. And if she had work done to get it, sis, drop, drop the surgeon. Drop the surgeon. But it was some performance. Nelly and Ashanti have a song together, which somehow I didn't know existed. I like Ashanti just fine. I've never heard this song with her and Nelly. But they were in Glendale, Arizona at a performance last night. Nelly is fully dressed in an all-white outfit. She's grinding up on him. She's tossing the hair and throwing it back. And Nelly just, Nelly looked lost. Ashanti looks like she's performing. And Nelly looks like he, he is lost in another dimension. Like he's hypnotized by the presence of Ashanti. It's a bad chick. I'm not mad at him. I'm like a 1.5 on the Kinsley scale. Like I acknowledge that I'm not a whole zero because I see pictures of Ashanti, Rihanna and Amber Rose and be like, God damn. But Ashanti is one of those people for me. And apparently for Nelly, he is smiling with all of his teeth. (laughs) When Ashanti backs it up, he looks out into the crowd several times. Like he just looks lost. Like his energy is just like if she said yes right now in the middle of the stage, that man looks ready. He looks thirsty too. I'm just saying. Nelly looks good. He's also giving old uncle energy, which I was like, can I call Nelly uncle? Because I feel like he might be like a year or two older than me. He's definitely giving uncle energy here. Like he just, he looks so overwhelmed. (laughs) I'm watching the video now. That's why I keep giggling. (laughs) Ashanti's publicist, shout out to Michelle Huff. I posted about this on Facebook and I was like, what is going on? What is going on? In all caps. And Michelle was like, it's a performance. It's a performance. (laughs) Michelle's a good friend. Michelle used to be my publicist. She kind of still is. She comes in when I need stuff. But she was like, it's a performance. And I was like, ma'am, she might be performing. He is for real. This is his real life. This is not just on stage for him. This is this man's real life. You can just look at his face. Bless his heart. Fuck that up. Is Ashanti still with her boo? We don't know nothing about the man because Ashanti keeps her business out the internet. I don't want to see them back together. I want Ashanti to have all the happiness and all the joy that her heart can handle. If it's with this new boo, that's great. If it's with somebody else, that's great. But not with Nelly. Don't give him a second chance to do you dirty. You gave him eight to ten years already. Don't give him no more. No more. (sighs) I saw this posted on the Melanin Shade Room. Somebody in the comments was like, go check on Irv Gotti. (laughs) Nelly ain't over her ass and neither is Irv. Somebody said, check on Irv Gotti. And somebody said, fuck Irv. (laughs) He deserved it. He deserved it. What have I been watching on TV? I had something to do the other day. And so I just binged. Oh, I'm working on another trip. And I had to do like a bunch of research. So I had a show on in the background. Riches on Amazon. After Reasonable Doubt finished, people were like, what show are we watching next, D? And I was like, I think we'll watch Riches on Amazon. It's kind of like succession, but with black people of Nigerian ethnicity who live in London. And the lead woman is American, at least on the show. I don't know what her ethnicity is in real life. It's a fine enough show. It's a lot of characters. So the first episode was a little hard to keep up with. It's like Succession. But the father dies or empire, which is also like succession, which is also all based on King Lear. That's not the point. The father dies and has a will, 
but who he leaves the company to is very unexpected. And there's just like a lot of infighting and drama. The first two episodes were just okay to me. Episode three, I leapt out my seat in the last five minutes and needed to run around the room. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And I had to stop and rewatch it again. So once you get to episode three, it starts to pick up. It's good. I don't love it like I loved Reasonable Doubt. It's a solid show. I don't think you'll regret watching it or feel like you wasted your time. The writing is not succession level. The storyline, yes. The actual like dialogue, no. It's not bad. It's just not succession. And also the wig budget wasn't well spent. If you are a, a black creator and you create content with black people and you are aiming it at a black audience, please understand the first thing we look at is the whip is the wigs. If the hair is fucked up, I don't care how much you spent on the show. We're going to think of it as low budget. It's just it, that's how our mind works. If you get the hair right, you could literally put the characters in Fashion Nova and Forever 21 and it would take us forever to notice. We care about hair, especially on a show that's about a black hair care company because that's the family business. I was like, y'all have a whole company for black hair care and all the main characters have bad hair. And I don't mean bad hair is in texture. I mean, bad hair is and it, it doesn't look like it was done properly. I'm just saying. Get some wigs with some realistic parts. That's my biggest critique of the show. Everything else, everything else was tolerable. Like the dialogue not always flowing or being a little stilted, like that happens. But the storyline is strong and so I can overlook it. But I was like, the wigs, the wigs, the wigs. It was also my complaint with Reasonable Doubt. Like the wigs. Like y'all got this beautiful woman as your main character. And I was like, and her hair looks nuts half the time. Don't do that. Don't do that. She's a good person. Good hair should happen to her. Oh, the other thing, and this drove me up a wall about the show. So this black family is really, really rich. And in dialogue, they keep telling you that they're really, really rich. But you know how like on The Crown or even in Empire and Succession, you see the wealth by where the family goes and the types of things that they do. That doesn't really happen so much in this show. Like there might be somebody who buys a watch or one of the sons drives a really nice car. But the houses, the apartments, the, the hairstyles, the clothes, the accessories, even the office that the businesses run out of, it, it doesn't give you super luxe, very, very wealthy, crazy rich Nigerians living in London. It just, it never rises to that occasion. And I was like, no, 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 no. If you're going to tell me a company is worth like hundreds of millions and the family is worth 30 mil minimum, I was like, I want to see the wealth. I want you, I want to see the wealth. I want it, I want it to look like crazy rich Asians type shit. I want to see the money. Release the fabric. They never release the fabric. Nobody looks bad. At least in the outfits. The wigs. <sighs> oh, it's worth it to me to speak about the return of First Wives Club. The show came back and like there was no announcement, not that I saw. And I was like, I'm your target demo for the show. And my audience is the target demo for the show because you engaged me first season to promote the show. Not one mention. And BET does ads on the podcast sometimes. Not one mention, not one advertisement, at least not in my realm. And this is something I pay attention to for First Wives Club. It's the one with Jill Scott and Ryan Michelle Bath. Well, previously, she was on the first season and then something happened second season it was COVID, so I just kind of like let it go because I like the characters, but 
the characters are based in New York, but Ryan's character was based in L.A., so she didn't interact with the ladies, I think, for the whole season. They might have got together for the final episode. But I was like, oh, like, does somebody not want to get vaccinated? Is something going on with taping and COVID and flying and all of those things? So I let it go. But third season... It's a good season. They spent the first three episodes trying to figure out what to do with Ryan Michelle Bath's character. And that was a little annoying because it kept interfering with other parts of the storyline. And then they finally figured out what to do with her, I guess, in episode two. And then from there, the show starts to roll. And I was like, oh, I like Ryan Michelle Bath. I can't remember the name of her character for shit. Sterling K. Williams, his wife. She's a great actress in her own right. She was part of the show first season. It was a trio of women. I cannot remember the other woman's name on the show. She's really good. She, she has great comedic timing. I like the chemistry of the three women. But then something clearly happened off screen where they weren't able to continue as, as the core trio. They brought in a new woman. She was okay for season two, but she's really stepped up in season three. But so far, so good. The season isn't over. I think I'm up to episode seven or eight. The last thing I saw, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll just tell you my reaction. But I shouted because there was an exchange between two characters and the way the guy reacted. Like I was, it kind of hit me in the heart real hard. I was like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Hit a little too close to home. But it's a really good season. Get through episode one and two, maybe three. Three was a peculiar choice, but I liked it. It worked for me. I could see people, especially like the hyper Christians. I could see them having issues with it. I thought it was fine. But episode four, it starts rolling and it's good. It's really, really good. Tasha Smith was living in an attic. I don't want to give nothing else away. Nothing else away. But it's, it's good. It's worth the watch. Oh, Kyrie Irving lost his deal at Nike. Nike has officially cut ties with him. I don't have any additional commentary on that. I've, I've said with all that I have to say about Kyrie Irving until he does something because it will be something. He's always going to do something new and crazy next. Um, until his next scandal or adventure, I don't have any other words for him. I just have this thing. I don't like the drag shit that people do. Like, if I talk about some crazy shit you did once, unless you do some new crazy shit, I don't need to just keep dragging the same thing over and over. Um, I've said everything I have to say about Kyrie Irving. I'm just giving you the update. Nike has cut ties with him, which I think everybody saw coming. And the whole thing, I think, is just unnecessary. And not on Nike's part, on Kyrie Irving's part. I think he's just a classic and unfortunate example of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. None of this had to happen. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Deion Sanders, our friend Deion Sanders, or some people's friend, Deion Sanders. Everyone's not a fan. Deion Sanders was the head coach for Jackson State for three seasons of football. He left recently to take a job. I want to say it's the University of Colorado. Their team sucks. I want to say they're 1-11, I think is what I read. People are pissed, or a lot of people are pissed. I'm not pissed. Um, but I've also, you know, been told that I am a, a wretched classist who only cares about money because I'm upper middle class and went to a PWI. And I was like, really? Really? Um, but also I was told that I can't have a real opinion on this topic because I didn't go to an HBCU in general or Jackson State specifically. My dad went to Jackson State. He also has the exact same outlook on this that I do. And he was like, was the man supposed to turn down all that money? And people keep saying, Deion Sanders said it wasn't about the money. No, it wasn't about the money when the conversation was 300,000. 300,000 doesn't move his needle. I mean, we are not in the same income bracket, clearly. Five million, it moves his needle. It moves mine too. We're still not in the same income bracket, but that's a little more interesting to Deion Sanders. And people were like, but he said it wasn't about the money. It wasn't when we were discussing 300,000. Talking about 300,000 and talking about 5 million is a significant difference in, in terminology. If somebody wants to talk to me about something, could you do this, D? How much? $50? I ain't doing that shit. Can you do it for 50,000? Let's have a conversation about it. You've significantly changed the terms. People be like, oh, he already has money. He's already wealthy. He doesn't need more money. How dare you? How dare you tell somebody how much money they need? If, especially when folks sit around on social media and in real life talking about black folks and how they need to build generational wealth and talk about the importance of black dollars. So now you got a black man who wants to continue to build his generational wealth and have more black dollars. And now it's a problem. People be like, Demetria, you're missing the point. It's not about the money. It's about how he did them kids. What did he do to them kids? It's about what he said about HBCUs and what he said about Jackson State football and how he wanted to change the game and put HBCUs on par with PWIs. It's about that. Did he didn't he didn't do that? Because he didn't stay forever at the institution. It, it, that means he he didn't do that. People were like he wasn't dedicated. He just used them. They didn't use him. If I recall correctly, and I do. There was a story, confirmed story, not even like on some gossip blog shit, but like confirmed story that Deion Sanders gave half his salary while he was working at Jackson State University to fix up the facilities of the football team. That sounds like someone who's using a team. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, did this team not win two championships in one of those years they went undefeated? Were they doing that before Deion Sanders got there? I'm not saying the program was trash. I'm saying he significantly improved it while he was there. I don't understand. You may have wanted him to do more, but to pretend he didn't do enough, to pretend he did nothing, is disingenuous. It is. It is. So that was the first thing. So when there was even speculation that Deion Sanders might move, because he did this 60 Minutes interview. I didn't watch the whole thing. I read a couple articles about it. But he said in the interview that, you know, he would entertain offers. 
But so back then people started talking about Deion Sanders, whether he was leaving, whether he was going, whether it was okay for him to leave, whether he was loyal, whether he was quote unquote using Jackson State University. People were upset about Deion Sanders potentially leaving before he even announced he was going. And then people point out the holes, as I just did, in this commentary. People Then the conversation became, it's not that he left, it's how he left. Now that's valid. So apparently the day that uh, Deion Sanders officially announced he was leaving to go to Colorado was also the same day that the team won a championship, which somebody had to tell me that. I didn't even know they won a championship because everybody is talking about Deion Sanders' departure and not talking about the football team winning this championship. Fair. And they said after the championship, when everyone should have been partying and celebrating, they said Deion Sanders looked annoyed. I didn't see that. I've seen tons of people say it. So maybe that is true. They said Deion Sanders looked annoyed. He called all the players together when they should have been celebrating this championship. And he said, hey, I'm leaving to go to Colorado. And then he got on a plane that night and went to Colorado and emerged from the plane in Colorado gear because now he's their head coach. He'd signed with them. People are saying that he stole the thunder from the team. Valid. That's valid. I saw somebody else say that, you know, how you enter a place and how you leave it says a lot about who you are as a person. Agreed. Agreed. I still think his ass should have left. Also think all these people sitting around talking about like, I can't believe he did that. It has to be about the mission. Life can't just be about money. Sure. Okay. Let somebody offer you 16 times your salary to do the exact same job. You not leaving? I, I And I honestly don't think everything is about money. Doing amoral shit. I said on a previous episode, like there's certain things I wouldn't do for any amount of money. I'm not going to harm a child. I'm probably not going to kill anyone myself. I might contract it. I wouldn't even contract someone to harm a kid. Like that's beyond my realm. I'm just, I don't want that on my conscience. I'm good. But to do your exact same job, it is moral, it's ethical. Nobody dies for 16 times more. You sound fucking crazy if you turn that down. I believe in ethics. I believe in morals. You know what else I believe in? Not being broke. I know Deion Sanders wouldn't be broke if he just kept his current salary. But if there's an opportunity for you to maximize your income by doing the exact same thing and it's not morally wrong or ethically compromised, what is the problem, people? He should sit up in Jackson State and leave $4.7 million per year on the table. Why? Because he already has enough money? Define enough. It's subjective. I have a conversation with people about like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk having too much money. Like you have more money than the GDP of some countries. That's a worthy conversation. You probably got a lot of it by exploiting people, which is facts. We've talked about the issues over at Tesla and their like multitude of racism problems. We've talked about the exploitation of Amazon workers before. There's a reason they've been able to generate Gilded Age levels of money. And it's because they're exploiting people in much the same way to gain that money. Gilded Age also didn't have to pay taxes. So there's also that. But still, $5 million to coach football? Baby, give me a playbook. I'll figure that shit out. You know, there are still people who are like the least he could do with his newfound money is go back and upgrade the facilities at Jackson State. That's not his job. Like, really, how dare you? There was a woman on my Instagram who was just adamant about that. Like, if he wants to do that, then that's wonderful and that's great. But to act like he's obligated to do it, to even suggest that he should use his own personal money to go upgrade the facilities of somebody else's college and university just because he worked there? He didn't do enough? Giving up half his salary wasn't enough for you? Really? I just, I love black folks, but sometimes we come with a level of entitlement and ungratefulness that is just beyond. And I ain't even a Deion Sanders fan. I, I have no real feelings about him one way or another. I think people are being really unfair to him right now. 
I know people are going to call me a pick me for this one. Anytime I support a black man, they call me a pick me. Anytime I say some shit about a black man who's fucking up, they be like, you hate black men, you're bitter, bitch. I can't win in that respect. No woman can. So I just say how I feel it. Y'all feel how y'all feel about it. But I don't think Deion Sanders is wrong. Overall, the way he left, valid. Valid. But the actual leaving, nah. People have put so much on him to to carry HBCUs, to carry the entire Jackson State football team, to carry Jackson State as a whole. It's not fair. It's not fair to him. He did a good thing while he was there. The expectation that he had to be there forever in order for it to count or make sense. It's just, it's not right. You're asking far too much of someone and you're asking them to do what you wouldn't even do. People be like, oh, he came in there talking about he had a mission and God told him to. Did God tell him to stay forever? He could never find another job? People, my black people, no. Last but not least, last episode, we talked about TJ Holmes. And my take on it, with the information that was available at the time that I began taping, there's a three to four hour window between when I start taping something, then when I edit, and then when it goes off to production to be published. I concluded, based on the early stories about T.J. Holmes, particularly the one in the Daily Mail, because that's what all the other ones were based off of, and T.J. Holmes and the white chick, Amy, what's her name? Robosh? Robot? Her. His co-anchor on GMA3. I concluded, based on the information in the Daily Mail, that, you know, this is messy. It's definitely messy. But it's not the scandal that everyone was acting like it was because the story came out And TJ and Amy were both separated from their spouses and living in separate residences from from the spouses and from each other. I'm like, there's no real story here. In terms of GMA, I wondered what the fraternization policy was, but also they're both co-anchors, so they're equal footing. Usually when you have corporate situations and it gets sticky and and it's problematic that people are dating, it's because one person outranks the other in a significant way where they have too much influence on their job, which kind of puts it in a gray area of sexual harassment. Or the person is just completely skeevy, like say Matt Lauer, who had a button in his office where he could lock the door and he was trapping women in his office. Or in the case of baby brother, Chris Cuomo, where he was using his position to proposition women, where he was getting too wild at work and grabbing people literally on the ass in front of their husbands. He was doing crazy shit. He was doing crazy shit in addition to helping his brother who was in a political scandal and then not disclosing it to CNN. So I conclude last episode. I was like, really people like, you know, it's, it's messy. It's some juiciness to it. But because of the timing and because they're separated from their spouses, it's just really not the scandal that it's being made out to be. Your boy TJ spoke too soon. Spoke too soon. Because as soon as I hit send, I was all pleased with myself. I had my brown liquor in my system. I was still feeling good. I went to check my DMs and there's all these stories. Robin Roberts had tried to talk to TJ and Amy and told them to stop this shit. TJ Holmes' wife is blindsided by the affair. TJ Holmes was in another relationship for three whole years with another producer at GMA and that chick was really good friends with Amy and it confided to Amy that she was fucking TJ and then Amy decided she wanted to go have a taste of the brown. 
sir, sir. That was Friday when I turned that in. Since then, another woman has come forward and was like, hey, I was fucking TJ too. Nigga, who are you? Tavis Smiley? Because that's why his ass ain't around no more. He was using his job as his personal dating pool. TJ, did you not see what happened to Tavis? It's about to happen to your ass too. When the scandal first broke, Good Morning America was on some like, we're going to stand beside him. They were back on the air the week that the story came out on Friday when I recorded the last podcast episode. They were on that morning making jokes about being happiest the weekend. It was all good. They ass ain't on TV no more. The head of the network sat them down and said they're a distraction. When it was just TJ and Amy, they were willing to work it out. The ratings also went up by 20%. I told you that, that the ratings were through the roof. The story about all these other women came out. TJ looking like a whole hoe up in the office, looking like an HR sexual harassment nightmare. Sir, you're looking like Matt Lauer without the button. Let's get into some of the details we talked about earlier because I found this link on the Daily Mail and they just kept linking and linking and linking. And I was like, God damn, how many stories did they write about TJ and Amy? Yo, when I read Auntie Robin Roberts had stepped to them back in 2017, this is at the Daily Mail. They said GMA host Robin Roberts spoke to co-workers TJ Holmes and Amy Robach after she heard rumors about their affair. It has now been revealed the speculation has swirled about the couple for years, possibly as early as 2017, with chief anchor Roberts among those aware of the claim. Just because Robin was aware don't mean Robin had shit to do with this. Don't be trying to drag Robin's name into this mess. Robin came into the mess to say, hey, stop it. That's in quotes. Stop it. Roberts reportedly decided to address the rumor head on after hearing about them in the newsroom. Holmes is said to have flatly denied the allegations at the time when asked. He didn't just deny it. The Daily Mail says that TJ was a correspondent. He wasn't a full anchor yet. He was trying to keep his job. So he himself, himself, him, he, Holmes, it says he went directly to the former executive producer of GMA, insisting that the affair was, quote, absolutely not true. Oh, oh. Fast forward to 2022. You know, these mofos, after the story broke, I want to find it so I can read you the direct sentence. You know, they showed up at work the next day as a couple. They came in together as a couple, proud. I guess when your business is splashed all over international media with pictures and video, ain't no need in pretending anymore. The Daily Mail, they trifling asses. <laughs> Don't come for me, Daily Mail. Don't come for me. I ain't shit. I'm telling you in advance. I ain't shit. Don't come for me. You, if I tell you I'm not shit, you can't go digging for nothing. What you going to say? Be like, she told us she wasn't shit and we confirmed it. That's not a story. There's no plot twist there. <laughs> the Daily Mail showed up at old girl's house, Amy's house. She looks beautiful in the picture. She got her sunnies on. She's smiling. She moved out of her house, her marital home this weekend. Her husband was already out the house. Apparently, it went on sale earlier this year. It sold in November. So it just I think it's just the timing that she's moving out. Curious timing. But Daily Mail really did show up at her house and started taking close-up pictures of the things coming in and out. They took pictures of some Christmas ornaments, some plates. <laughs> I was like, y'all ain't shit for putting this woman's personal belongings all in the internet. But they showed up to the house. They asked her when she was seen moving out her New York City home. Again, I'm reading from the Daily Mail. They said she appeared in good spirits, smiling and waving to the cameras before politely answering questions from DailyMail.com. When asked if she had anything to say, Robach replied, quote, it's been great. I've gotten a lot of support and you know I appreciate everything and I'm happy to be going to work. They got pictures of her parents. Her parents came to the house to help her move. Daily Mail ain't shit. They went and found pictures of the interior of the house. It was actually very beautiful. 
It don't look nothing like you would expect $4 million to look like anywhere else than New York. Or they bought it for $4 million. It sold for five point two. It's actually, it's very spacious. They got pictures of this lady's bags, the moving company she used, the movers. They are all up in her shit. And then more pictures of Amy and TJ. Amy might be all right if she ain't slept with nobody else. TJ, he out here looking like a whole hoe. Speaking of that, let's go, let's go look at the picture. Let's go read the story about TJ's wife. They said she was completely blindsided by this information. So she... There's been a story that's been circulating, not so much a story. On Instagram, a few years ago, TJ Holmes had written this very beautiful open letter to his wife, praising her for for basically putting up with his shit. It was the whole, I have not been a perfect husband, but you've loved me. And if you stay with me like another day, another hour, another whatever, I should be honored. You know, the kind of shit niggas do when they really fucked up bad. They want to make open letter declarations and shit. That it was, it was of that nature. So uh, apparently the timeline on that is after his wife found out about the other GMA producer that he was sleeping with for three years, she found, I want to say emails from the woman. And that's how that affair came out. And she decided not to leave him. So that open letter was allegedly supposed to be in reference to her keeping him after that affair was discovered. And they said that the wife was devastated because she wasn't really thinking anything about Amy. She was thinking about this other woman that he'd been sleeping with on the show. This is on page six. They said, uh, TJ and his wife had been separated for several months, but, but his wife believed that they were trying to quote, work things out. This source said of the wife quote, she's devastated. She had no idea. They haven't been together in a while, but they were trying to work it out. The source points out they were just together for TJ's birthday, which was August 19th. They went to the Bahamas together. Oh, dear. The different article was speaking about how the wife was blindsided so bad because TJ and his wife and Amy and her husband used to go on double dates. And Amy's daughter was the babysitter for TJ's daughter, which I was like, bruh, ma'am, y'all messy. Y'all messy. It was one thing when it was just this one person, but I was like, at least two other people with the same job. I'm pulling up this other story for the details about the three-year relationship with the other producer. There are so many damn stories about these people. It says the DailyMail.com can reveal that host TJ Holmes, 45, had a three-year affair with Good Morning America producer Natasha Singh, 37. That began in 2016. The relationship predates his affair with co-host Amy Robach. It, re- it resulted in the end of Singh's marriage. Instagram photos show that Robach and Singh were close friends. In February, Robach celebrated her 49th birthday with Singh, posting a late night picture of them laughing together with the caption, love these girls. If she wasn't already fucking TJ, then she started shortly thereafter. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Oh, this is the part I was referencing earlier. This is also on the Daily Mail when I was talking about the, um, the Instagram tribute that TJ wrote to his wife. It was written in September 2020. A full six months after their anniversary in March, they were navigating the fallout of his affair. Holmes wrote, this particular hashtag decade challenge is a little late, but 10 years ago, Marley married me 
And despite my best efforts, she remained married to me the past 10 years. That's not hyperbole. I'm not being dramatic. I gave her plenty of reasons, excuses, and opportunities to walk her fine ass out the door. But instead, with her built-in black woman superpower, she showed a grace and patience that is incomprehensible. You repaid her grace and patience by fucking your co-star, sir? Sir. Sir. The producer of three years was real cute. She looks just like the wife. He has a type with her. Amy don't look like shit like the wife or the previous producer. I think he just likes pussy. I think that's just it. I'm not sure he likes women, but pussy for sure. Oh, sir. He needs to be single. Some folks just ain't built for marriage and commitment, and that's fine. Until you're in a marriage or in a commitment. If what you really want to do with your life is bust it open, spread it wide and low, there's nothing wrong with that. You just got to be honest with yourself and your partners about who you are and how you like to go. If you are incapable of commitment, you just need to tell people that. If you just like to fuck a lot of people because that's what does it for you, you need to be honest about that. TJ has not been honest about that. And he about to fuck around and lose his job over this shit too. The Daily Mail, it's not this article, it's another article. They talked about how uh, staffers on GMA are furious and they want TJ and Amy gone. Apparently TJ is also a dick to people behind the scenes and be yelling at folks on set. You can't have these type of skeletons in your closet and be talking crazy to people. I wonder if the three-year producer is the woman who, who put the story out. Remember last week we decided that the pictures came from a private investigator and not the Daily Mail doing their usual snoop show? And we thought the and we thought the private investigator was hired by TJ's wife or or Amy's husband. Fuck around, it could have been a producer. If I found out that the dude I had a three year affair with and the woman who I thought was my friend that I confided in the affair about, and then I find out that they started fucking, I'm setting both them hoes on fire. Not to say that I didn't deserve the karma. I'll give TJ credit though. I'll give him credit here. If you're going to cheat, you're supposed to cheat with other married people who got something to lose. Apparently, he's been taking that to the extreme. He loves some good married cat. But he about to fuck around and lose his job over this shit. TJ, how you using your actual workplace as your own dating pool while you married? At least Tavis was a single man. Uh, sir, you're the office pass around. And you about to lose your job. Your, your superpower black wife, she not doing another round of this shit with you. You was already out the house anyway. Now she's publicly embarrassed and this shit is on blast. What, what you got left, she about to take a good chunk of. And you're not readily employable after this scandal. I'm kind of upset with TJ over this one too. Because remember TJ used to be on CNN and, and was liked. I want to say he was the weekend anchor. That's when I first started paying attention to him. TJ was on CNN. He was doing a great job. Um, he wanted to be a little more famous. He wanted his own thing. He left CNN. Remember this? TJ Holmes left CNN and went to BET. And everyone was like, nigga, what? BET has been trying to rebuild that news program from back in the day for decades. They just, for decades, they cannot figure it out. But they brought over TJ Holmes because he was supposed to revive their whole news segment. And then it went fucking kaput. Nobody heard from TJ for a while. And then he popped up as the correspondent on GMAT. He went from correspondent. He got the anchor job. And everybody was like, look at TJ back on top. Talented black man. He took that L with BET. He tried to do right for the culture. That same crazy shit y'all be talking about. Y'all want Dion to do. 
You can only stay in those situations for so long before it hinders you. Just FYI. We can have another conversation about that another day. People rationalize the BET thing as him trying to be down for the culture. They were glad that he got back on top because he's very talented and good at what he does. He's actually good TV. Apparently good, apparently good dick too because he got two different women leaving their husbands over his ass. Whew. TJ. TJ. We'll keep an eye on this story too. We have a couple stories that we're watching. I don't think Sir is going to be employed after next week. I might give him until the new year. The head of ABC was like, they're a distraction right now. Him and old girl. I think she might keep her job because she only seems to have slept with him. And, you know, white woman in America. Him? You still black, my nigga. I think you forgot that. Lutelius? Y'all know that TJ Holmes' real name, right? Lutelius? L-O-U-T-E-L-I-O-U-S. I can't pronounce basic shit. Lutelius. Easy breezy. That's the episode for this week. I think we covered a lot of TJ. I'm not even sure we covered all of TJ. I hope nothing else happens between the time that I, I stop recording and send this podcast in. I read to you from five or six lengthy stories on different news sites that have come out literally since the last podcast episode about TJ Holmes. All right, that's enough. We're done. I hope he's done. I mean, with the cat, not like at GMA. Okay, bye. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.